This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Do you want to set your child up for success? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way with positive feedback. Well, I know with Eleanor, when she was struggling so much with math, if she had been able to do online learning at home, she would have been much better able to keep up with class, and that would have just made the whole situation much easier for her. Don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And half your listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com happier. Visit IXL.com happier to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast that gives you strategies and tips for how to build happier habits into your daily life. This week, we'll talk about how you can design your summer and we'll deep dive back into the emotionally charged subject of thank you notes. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me right here in the gorgeous new Panoply Studios in New York City is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And Gretchen, I'm in New York because you and I are going to go be on Sampler. Yes. Which is a show I love hosted by Brittany Luce about podcasts. Yes, Um, So that's very exciting. So it gives you a good excuse to visit here in New York City. Um, So give us an update on what's going on with your pilot and all that. Oh, goodness. Well, (laughs) so um, the pilot that Sarah and I were producing did not go to series. And then the show that we'd been on, The Family, our beloved family, got canceled. And Sarah and I pitched a show that got passed on. So I've been saying everything we've touched in the last six months has turned to ashes. Oh. So we, like the phoenix, we have to rise from the ashes now <laughs> and, you know, do something new. So yeah. it's going to be a whole a whole new clean slate. Excellent. I don't know what's going to happen, uh, something. Uh, so you can stay tuned for oh, that. Excellent. Like Fox from uh, Harry Potter. You're going to rise up more beautiful than ever. Oh, and Gretch, I want to thank our listeners because a lot of them reached out to me and let me know they were watching the family. So yes. um, that was great. So thanks, guys, for watching, and hopefully I'll have something else for you to watch um, you know, <laughs> relatively soon. soon. Excellent. Um, and also, we want to remind listeners that we're getting ready for our very special episode 70, where we want advice, the best advice that you've ever gotten, whether about how to live your life at work, relationships, parenting, whatever it is. Uh, we want to hear the best re- advice you've ever received. So be sure to send that in to us. We're dying to hear. Okay, Alyssa, this week's Try This at Home tip is to design your summer. 
Yeah, Gretch. And this comes up because in episode 27, you talked about how you you didn't have a good plan for your summer. And then I asked you a little bit later, have you thought of anything? And you hadn't. No. Um, And a lot of people started writing into us about the desire to plan a summer. So we thought this would make a good try this at home, Um, which is so how can people design their summer? Right, because it's the idea that if you want to have, or maybe some people pointed out their summer might not be in the summer, but like, could you have a different part of your life? Could a part of your year be different from the rest of your year? So you have that sort of summer feeling. Like, for instance, Paula Johnson says, I love having a summer-only habit. A few years ago, I masterminded Alfresco Fridays, which occurred every Friday between Memorial Day and Labor Day. I found a restaurant with a huge back patio. Customers ordered at the counter, then found their own tables. Refills on iced tea and lemonade were self-serve. Very picnicky. I spread the word to all my friends that I would be lunching from 12 to 1.30 every Friday. Anyone could join me. They could bring friends. They could arrive on time and leave early, arrive late, and stay to the end. Zip in for just a soda, whatever. I always brought a book in case no one showed up, but people always did. I had lunch with two friends at minimum and over a dozen on a few occasions. I might do it again this summer. So that's an awesome idea. That's great. I mean, that's perfect. It kind of makes me think of, you know, in New York and the publishing industry, it's half day Fridays. Yes. And that was always like the greatest feeling, (laughs) that first half day Friday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so have you come up with anything? Yes, I have. And I'm so excited to reveal my plan. And, and, I'm je- and, and here's the thing, because people had all these ideas about like concerts and, and, and excursions outside. And I kept thinking, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. But I realized it just wasn't true for me. Right. It wasn't right. what I wanted for my summer. And so I thought to myself, OK, be Gretchen. What really makes me happy? What could I have more of in the summer? And I thought, it's family, friends, reading, and writing. And so this is my plan. Okay. So for family, um, uh, I wrote about this in the Happiness Project. Um, For my older daughter, because I don't have as much time to hang out with her because she's so busy, we would go on these weekly adventures. And we had to stop it when she became a junior because she's so busy. And so, But she's going to be home for the summer doing an internship. So I said, oh, we're going to have at least one, maybe two adventures a week in New York City. So that's a way for me to spend that like precious time with her, you know, when she's almost leaving home. So that's great for family. For friends, I've decided that I am going to plan a lunch date every single day that I'm in New York City while my children are not are not in school. I'm going to try to do one every single day. Now, someone suggested that's too many lunches out. But I kind of feel like I want to do something that's so different. It has to be dramatic. Well, and you're not someone who goes out to lunch and blows, you know, oh, what yeah. you're eating. You'll yeah. you'll eat the exact same thing whether you're at lunch or at home. Yeah, and a lot of these people probably just want to go to a diner. But it's like every single day. And then, like, I was just today speaking at the New York Times, and somebody said, oh, you should come to the Times for lunch. I'm like, yes, I should go somewhere where I have a lot of friends and then, like, have lunch with everybody all at once. I'm like, that's going to be oh, great for the yeah. summer. So I'm really excited, and I started making plans with a bunch of people. You know, there's always those people where you're like, I really should call them. I want to catch up with them, but then you never – get around to it, this is my chance to get around to it and really touch base with a p- lot of people kind of in my life. So I'm excited about that. So then reading, this is very exciting. So I have four writers who are among my favorite writers and they're also the most useful for me as a, as a writer myself, uh, both in their fiction and nonfiction. That's George Orwell, Flannery O'Connor, Virginia Woolf, and Samuel Johnson. Okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pull out all the books from my shelves that they've written, fiction and nonfiction. I'm gonna put them on a shelf and then every day, in the morning for two hours, 
I'm going to read something by one of those authors. And it's got to be in the morning because I was going to do it in the afternoon. But then by then, I just can't really focus as well. And it's going to be two hours because it's got to feel like a lot of time. Yeah. And I, and I've been meaning to do things like I want to reread Flannery O'Connor's letters that she's writing while she was writing Wise Blood and then and read Wise Blood concurrently. And I just my whole life I've been meaning to do that. I'm like, I'm going to do it. Or I want to reread a writer's diary, which is this, the Virginia Woolf selected diary on writing. It's so amazing. I want to reread that. I want to reread Samuel Johnson. I want to read the Gandhi essay that Orwell wrote. That's like my favorite piece of writing ever. So I'm so excited about that's that. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm gonna be so excited about that. And then finally, writing. So I'm going to give myself a little summer project, just like mm. a little delicious project. So I'm gonna, this is what it is. I'm all excited. It's called uh, Outer Order, Inner Calm. Ah, one of your favorite yes. but, um, topics, yes. obsessions. And there's this amazing book called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. That's just this little charming book. And I'm going to rip it off totally in terms of structure. And I, I love thinking about clutter. It's like it's much fun to think about clearing clutter as to actually clear clutter, maybe more. And it's going to be this fun little book and a perfect summer project. And I'm so excited for my summer. Wow. I'm impressed. You're really going for it, Gretch. I am. I, I, I really decided this is what I've said. I have to embrace what's true about me and really change my experience of my day. So it's got to be dramatic. But yet still you. And so it all sounds like things you would do, you yes. know, um, on any given day. It's just planning for it. That's well, awesome. It's like what I actually consider fun, which is like have a picnic outside. I'm like, oh, I really should do that. I'm right. sure it would be fun. But it's like, no, yeah. this is what I actually yeah. feel like would be fun. Now, how about you? What about your? Well, you're. What's funny for me is summer is kind of my fall. June is usually when most shows start. Uh. So, um, so summer for me is really more like April and May because uh. that's when we're usually can be on hiatus. Right. Hiatus is sort of just the time when nothing's happening between seasons of shows. Right. So, um, so my summer is actually kind of coming to an end. Uh. Um, and this year I was doing a pilot. I sort of did a pilot for summer vacation. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but usually to mark the beginning of it, Sarah and I always go to Toast, this restaurant in L.A., and sit outside and meet a couple of friends. And that's sort of our school's out feel. Ooh. Um, but I usually hike. Yeah. And do Pilates. Like that's when I, you know, can sort of settle into that sort of self-care stuff. Um, right. And then it falls away as the season gets going. And one of the advantages of designing your summer is that um, one of the downsides of habits is that when you do things the same way over and over and over, time speeds up. And that's like how we've all had experiences where like, you know, the first three months on a job seem to take a long time, but then the, the third year on the job just flies by because you're in this rut. And so one of the reasons that doing something like designing your summer is good is that because it disrupts the usual routines and habits, and it's a different way of experiencing time, it will make time feel slower and more rich, and you'll remember it better because it's different. And so having these breaks in your year is really a, a good thing in making your life feel more just more rich. Yeah, and like for you, it's something you really want to do, like rereading Flannery O'Connor, you just, it could never happen if you didn't set aside this time. Yeah. So it's like, it, it's nice to set aside time for different things in life. Right, and to think about, well, what's important for me? And if I can't do it all the time, maybe I can like build it into a summer experience. So, I mean, anyone can, I mean, I would love to know what other people are doing to design their summer, because even if you work like, a regular nine to five job that never has a break the way what you and I do does. Yeah. 
you could still do like what Paula did, which is the Alfresco Friday. Yes. It's like, is there some, and we're on the weekend, you could do something that makes it summer. That makes, um, that marks the time in a different way. Yeah. So I want to hear what people do. Yeah, absolutely. So let us know if you tried this at home, how you design your summer. Um, Twitter, Facebook, uh, email at Gretchen, podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And as always, you can go to happiercast.com slash 67. This is episode 67 for any kind of information, links, uh, anything related to this episode uh, that you want to look up or comment on. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. Okay, now in episode 63, we talked about thank you notes. Specifically, you had had a party for Jack, um, his sixth birthday, and you had 30 guests, and it was about whether or not you should give yourself a demerit for not having written thank you notes. Well, I did give myself a demerit. You were questioning it. I was was firmly, I want to say, giving myself a demerit. You definitely gave yourself a demerit, and I I was a disputed (laughs) demerit. And because of the absolute deluge of responses that we have received on the subject of thank you notes, we are introducing a new segment. Yes, because sometimes we hit some (laughs) kind of hot button issue that gets a lot of reader response and it feels like it needs its own sort of time to discuss, not just in an update or something. So we're calling it uh, a deep dive or the deluge. We've been debating back and forth because we've been deluged with email, but then the deep dive indicates we're going deeper into something. So we'll see what sticks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Um, So this deep dive segment is on thank you notes. Yes. Um, Now, Gretchen... A lot of people <laughs> disagree with you yes. about the importance of thank you notes. Now, yeah. I will say some people agree with you. Yes, and it's not unanimous. No. And I think that the people who disagree with you, I will say, are more vocal than the ones who don't disagree. Yeah. So it may be skewed a slight amount. But um, people really think thank you notes are important. Yes. And Gretchen, I'm impressed that you're going to sit here and have this discussion because as an upholder, I know it's difficult for you to be criticized. Yes. And people are definitely criticizing both of us. Yes. But I think it, I don't think it bothers me as much. Um, it is tough for me to be criticized. And let me state my philosophy because okay. many people took my what I was saying to mean that I don't value thank you notes. And the fact is I absolutely believe in thank you notes. I wrote a thank you note just 
last week for a dinner party. Um, in fact, I did a Facebook Live video um, about the podcast the way I do every week. And um, I showed my stationery. So if you want to see the stationery <laughs> that I use, if I'm writing uh, thank you notes, you can see that. Um, and I'll put the link in the, in the, uh, on, on the website at happiercast.com slash 67. Um, I absolutely do write thank you notes when I feel like it's appropriate to the situation. And so really what I felt like was given the reality of the specific situation that you were in and that there were 30 children for a six-year-old's birthday party and people had brought gifts to the party in person that you did not unwrap them, that in that situation, I would have not given myself a demerit or put the expectation on myself to write a thank you note in that specific situation, although I would have written a thank you note in other situations. So that's just, that is, I just needed to get that off my chest. Okay. <laughs> now, a lot of people were very critical of having 30 kids at a birthday yes. party. And they said, if you don't want to write 30 thank you notes, either have five kids or say no gifts. Yeah. Um, well, now, some people talk about that rule, like if you're four years old, you have four kids. Right. If you're five years old, you have five kids. Yeah. Yeah. Now in Jack's class, I mean, everyone just tends to invite all the boys, um, which is 30. So it would be sort of a remarkable thing not to invite everyone. So yes. I, I will say that's just sort of the custom right. as far as I can tell. So. That's why I invited all 30 kids. Because it really certainly wasn't because I was just like wanting gifts. For yeah. <laughs> um, and and I certainly, I wouldn't say no gifts because I, I'm sorry, but for me, as a, I still have such great memories of having birthday parties and getting all of my birthday presents. Yeah. And I just would not deny that for Jack. Well, and here's another thing about saying no gifts. First of all, if what you care, if, if you care about being polite, like doing the polite thing, the kind of, you know, let's look it up in an etiquette book, it's not polite to say no gifts because the, the theory is you, if you tell somebody no gifts, it's implying that they were going to bring right. you a gift and that's maybe they weren't going to bring you a gift. So that's rude. And then also um, another thing I have to say is I tried that because I was sort of in a similar situation when Eliza was little. And so I said no gifts on the invitation. And here's what happened. Some people didn't bring gifts, but some people brought gifts anyway. Right. And then the people who didn't bring gifts felt really bad. And I was like, don't, I, I said no gifts, like it's no big deal. But a couple people, like it really clearly bothered them that they were like, oh, I get it. This is like the secret handshake where everybody knows you say no gifts, but then people bring gifts anyway. But I didn't know to do that. And so I feel bad. And so it sort of didn't work very well. Right. So, yeah, so that's that on the topic of gifts or no gifts. We could yeah. probably do a whole other segment on that, Gretch. But um, back into the deep dive, um, by the way, Mindy texted me. <laughs> uh, Mindy was uh, a guest on our show, our very special Home for the Holidays episode. Yes. And um, I don't think she even waited for the podcast to end. <laughs> she emailed me. She texted me saying, listening to your podcast Write a thank you email to all, and in future, send email with a picture of the party and say thanks. But I'm a total believer in thank you notes, and it's never too late to send one. And then I said, can I read your text on an upcoming episode? And she said, ha, I kind of had a nagging thought that you might ask. Yes, you can, and write a thank you note. So... Um, oh, wait, can I, just, can I just say something? Yeah. So... Really, like to step back and look at this from like the happiness perspective, what I think was fascinating to me, well, to both of us as we were talking about it, like as we did, as these were pouring in, 
is that what it really shows is the range of values that people have. Because it used to be, like, when people would talk about values and happiness and, like, self-knowledge, I was always, I always thought, this is sort of ridiculous because people either have good values or bad values, and everybody agrees that being kind is good, so why do we have to belabor, like, what are our values? But actually, the fact is, people have very different values from each other. And this is an excellent example of how people very sincerely come to a situation and have a completely different understanding of what appropriate behavior is, depending on their values. So for instance, um, Mindy says, take a picture, send a group email. Right. Okay, but to me, if you're writing a thank you note, that need is not satisfied by a group thank you that's just like a, like a, that doesn't answer the problem of having written a thank you note. So to me, that wouldn't, sat, if you feel like you should write a thank you note, that does not satisfy that requirement. But then other, right. many, many, many people suggested doing that. Yeah, or they suggested sending a text of um, the, the person, in the case of like a kid's birthday party, the child using whatever the gift was. But then other people insisted on the handwrittenness. And yes. they were like, the handwrittenness is essential to the graciousness and the idea that you're taking your time. And the idea that you would use a text is like abomination. Right, because a lot of people, their point is the person took the time to go out and get a gift and be thoughtful. So if they spent that time then certainly you can spend the time saying thank you. Which, I mean, it's hard to argue with that logic, Gretch. Okay, but then here was a logic, and I think it was Katie who sent this in, where she's like, well, but that you have a gift bag. And ah. if you have a gift bag, because that's a very strong right. um, kind of custom now, if you give someone a gift bag, that's like saying, thank you for coming to my party. So give is giving the gift bag to the child essentially the thank you note. Ah, which we did give out gifts at the end, yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, and then there was our listener in New Zealand who she resents getting thank you notes <laughs> because she thinks it it it's just starts a cycle of having to. So then do I have to thank you for my thank you note? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. She's like, we don't do that here. Well, and then also somebody from Portugal and Germany and Australia and then other places were saying that they don't have this custom of writing thank you. They were like, thank goodness we don't do that. But it's just like not something that you would be expected to do. Um, so it's 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 not it's not a universal custom. Um, yeah, it's so much it's a, like the, the community you live in dictates a lot of the rules for all of this stuff. The whole reason I gave myself a demerit was because I thought I was wrong. I thought I should give a thank you note. And I have to say all of this mail has confirmed my opinion that I should have written thank you notes. But I also think that maybe there is room for the less intense, like, you know, the group email, the text with the picture, that kind of thing. And I think, you know, I wish, as I said in my demerit, I wish I had written a group thank you now because it would have been far better than nothing. <laughs> and Mindy is still pushing me to go back and write those 30 notes. Yeah, um, It'd be funny to do it and see what oh people's God, response was. It would, wouldn't it? But it's hard to imagine it happening. It's like one of those things, the longer the time goes by, the harder and harder. But so I wanted to ask the hardcore thank you note people, do you, did you write a thank you note for having attended the party? Did you have your child write a note saying, thank oh, you very Lord. much yes. for having, where, I mean, do, yeah. where, <laughs> where does it end? <laughs> but I don't think that's not quite fair, Gretch, because a thank you note for a gift is, I mean, this is American standard yeah. tradition, I right. think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, I do, and I do want to say, like, Absolutely 100%. Like expressing gratitude, there is just no end of research that shows 
100% expressing gratitude is a critical part of a, of a happy life. And that people who regularly express gratitude, they, they're healthier, they feel happier. Feeling gratitude crowds out negative emotions like anger and resentment. And so and, and so many people wrote about heartfelt, like a nurse wrote about like the thank you notes that she got um, from her patients. We also got a uh, like similar kind of thing from a doctor who, you know, how, how important it was to get these notes. Um, or And also like, oh, my son was in the ICU and he wrote these thank you notes for everybody who worked on him and it was so meaningful. And, you know, and then people talking about they would like spontaneously write thank you notes, not connected to a gift, but just like you know, and how it was so powerful and a hundred percent like Yeah, and I think those are really powerful. Those are this really- is more of an Emily Post like, you know, pro forma thing. Like of course you would never say like it isn't wonderful to write a thank you note to someone who's really impacted your life. Yes. Um, I guess it's sort of like where, this is where the values come in because it, 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 like at what point do you sort of say – I guess I just find that point sooner than you find that point where is this on the uh, – where 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 do you say, hey, I gave you a gift back, right. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, Consider yourself thanked. One listener pointed out that you being an upholder, Gretchen, yes. might have had a different – take on this and a lot of people because of course there aren't a lot of upholders out there okay so can I read this email because yes. it's from Taryn and it, I was it was so ex- I made me so ecstatic because Taryn showed such a deep command of the four tendencies that uh-huh. she noticed something about me and my tendency that I had not even noticed and I was just like this is so exciting to me um, with the four so again this is the question of um, what's your tendency and my tendency is upholder so Taryn writes doesn't your attitude about thank you notes comport with your type I am a classic obliger uh, however, even th- therefore, even though I don't really like writing thank you notes or even see much value in it, I always write them because I think that is what ex- what is expected by those who buy you gifts. Following my children's birthday parties, I make myself or them, if they are old enough, to do two to five per night until I am done. Even Elizabeth, the obliger, seems to think she should be doing them. She absolutely does think she should be doing them, even if she couldn't find the time or desire. Since she felt she was ignoring external expectations, she felt bad. You, on the other hand, don't have any expectation to do them. As an upholder, you don't feel like you have to. It's not your value, so you don't do it. You're not that interested in external expectations, right? How's that for armchair happiness analysis? Excellent armchair analysis, because I think I recognize that there's an, there is an external expectation, but I'm just sort of like, but I have my own internal expectation for how I'm going to spend my time and my energy. And on kind of the continuum of, you saved my son's life in the ICU uh-huh. to um, I gave you a gift Thanks bag. Thanks for the transformer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just sort of feel like, um, or the group text, it just feels like, uh, it, yeah, I just, but I have to say, like, seeing everybody's values and everybody expre- explaining how they think about it, it really got me thinking about it hard. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, it's as what, the reason we're calling it deep dive is it's clearly a deep topic. It's like apologies. It's just like one of those things that people have a lot of ideas about. Anyway, I would say everyone write in, but they've already written in. And so. called in. <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. We've we, heard a lot. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that, yes. everyone. Fascinating. Very interesting. Y- yes, yes. So, Gretch, uh, time for a listener question. This week, our question comes from Anna. She says, I got married last year to my love of nearly seven years. Before we got married, his mother seemed better. But now that we are married, she seems absolutely ravenous for time with us. She, in fact, went so far as to move a couple blocks from us against my husband's request that she not do so. 
My husband and I are very busy professionals who rarely have time off. I see my own family who lives far away at scheduled times like major holidays. Because my mother-in-law asks so frequently to see us, I feel like I'm constantly in the position of saying no, and it's making me anxious to come up with excuses and is becoming a real happiness stumbling block. Do you have any advice as to how to set boundaries about how much time it's reasonable to spend with her to get out of my constant cycle of refusing her advances? Well, this is a great question. This is a really interesting question. Um, So one of the things that I would think about is that it might be that she's sort of panicking and worried about being shut out. Um, And so what might help is to have regularly scheduled times. Like if you said, well, we're going to have Sunday dinner with you every week or, you know, every Wednesday we're going to come by and, you know, do whatever and play cards or something like that. Because if she knows that at certain times she can count on seeing you and doesn't have to ask, which I'm sure is like anxiety provoking for her as well, if she knew she had she could see you at certain times. Um, then maybe she could back off of other times. And also maybe she would just realize that these are the times that she has and she just could, shouldn't keep asking for additional times because it's sort of like, this is a schedule, you're seeing us plenty. And so that's, what the, that's kind of how we're going to set this up. And it makes sense for us given our schedules and, you know. I also think this is one of those things where it's really a husband issue because yeah. it's hard when it's, you know, you do feel bad when it's your mother-in-law. You know, she probably yeah. feels a lot of pressure to please her mother-in-law. And it's really like maybe her husband should be managing this yeah. because it's his mother. It's kind of his responsibility. Now, I know a lot of husbands that just won't do it. So if he just won't deal with it, there's nothing you can do. But one thing I would say is like if your mother-in-law emails you and says, do you want to see this movie Thursday night? Email her back, CCing the husband, adding in the husband and saying, I'm not sure if we can do it. Like, right. you know, husband. Right. And and kind of put it on him yeah. to respond. Right. Yeah. Um, because good... it's hard. You don't want to be the daughter-in-law right. who's like, no, 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 no. I right. totally get right. that. Right. So you want to set it up so that you're not the one. It's. I mean, it's a. It's a very tricky issue because there's a lot of. You, you want to maintain goodwill, but then you also want to live a life that where you have plenty of time to do the other things that you want to do. Especially if you have, like she uses the word ravenous. Or if you feel like the person's just gonna, if you give them some, they're gonna want more and more and more, and it's gonna become all consuming. Yeah, and I mean, one thing I thought of, Gretch, is something you've said to me, which is if you can't get out of it, get into it. And I would say maybe, and this is sort of off topic, but for the times when she is with her mother-in-law to really embrace it yeah, um, and just not even try not to feel resentful about it, but just try to embrace it. I mean, you know, she's going to be around for a long time. Right, right. And say like, oh, maybe every time we're together, we're going to watch House of Cards and yeah. or like, you know, a thousand seasons of The Simpsons or, or, or like find something to make the best of it. Yeah, that's really good advice. Uh, it's a tricky issue. Good luck, Anna. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. 
And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, time for demerits and gold stars. Elizabeth, demerit. Well, Gretchen, so I have talked on the podcast about how we are redoing a lot in our house. Um, We're kind of right in the thick of it right now. (laughs) And part of that is Adam and I moved out of our bedroom and bathroom into the guest room, Ah. guest bathroom, because we have completely demolished our bathroom. Like it's gone. No longer exists. So as part of that, we had to empty our closets and, you know, we don't have other places for this stuff, but we're, you know, sort of makeshift um, making do. And what happened is I kind of got 80% of the way there. In other words, I packed up like all of my clothes that I don't need. That's all done. But the clothes that I'm using currently on a day-to-day basis, I sort of put some of them into random drawers and other places and some of them on a hanging rack that I have. But then, like, I just didn't do anything with sort of the remaining 20%. <laughs> so they're kind of floating around the house. Like, sometimes I have stacks of stuff um, on top of, like, the washer and dryer or in laundry baskets folded or, you know, in a corner on the floor. But it's like I didn't finish the job of figuring out where to put that stuff. And now I'm, like, living in total chaos. Well, I think this is something that happens in a lot of actual moves. And and I know people, whenever when I move, people have said, like, make sure that you do everything, like, right at the beginning. Because if you don't hang a picture in the first two weeks, it'll take two years before you hang the picture. And there is something about getting most of the way there and then you, you lose steam. But then that rest, of that, that just drives you crazy. That last remaining percentage of unfinished, is it just driving you nuts? I mean, you know me, it drives me less nuts than it drives Adam. Cause, you know what I mean? Like I'm, you know, I'll, but I, for his sake, especially, I really wanted to try to be organized. Um, yeah. So maybe when I get back from New York, I'll try to like manage that last 20%. And it's going to be at least another month. So it's worth taking, you know, it probably only take me 30 minutes. I wish I could come over and do it with you. Yes. I love that stuff. If only you were coming to LA. <laughs> That would be great. All right. So that's my demerit. What's your gold star? So my daughter Eliza is a junior. Um, as anybody who listens to her podcast, Eliza starting at 16, <laughs> knows that she's very stressed out because she's a junior. And um, so so my husband and I were giving her this big pep talk. You know, Jamie and I were like, it's the finish line. And, you know, it's the end of the year's in sight. And you just like have to sprint towards the end. And it's not that much longer. And then I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually make a calendar. So we had this poster board. Uh, left over from some project and I made like made it boxes for the days and I label and I put made a calendar and then I got some stickers and put some stickers on it and I put on the prom and I put on the SAT2 and I put on the last day of school and marked off the days that were summer and because um, I accidentally made it an, an extra week long because <laughs> I didn't measure correctly um, and I put it on the refrigerator because I was just like if you could just visually see there are only four more Mondays it's right. like it's really the end is in sight and I think sometimes it's just feeling like oh my gosh I have to I have to think about physics for the next six months it feels interminable when you're like it's really 
bite-sized at this point. Um, and so that was really good. And, and Eleanor was so enchanted by this <laughs> calendar that we made one for her too. And she put it up on the refrigerator um, with all her stickers and her things, you know, um, uh, labeled. And it was really fun. And I think it added sort of a lighthearted element to something that's a bit grim. Yeah, like and exams. Exams. And yeah. it showed kind of, I, I felt like it was an it was a gesture that showed my empathy for knowing that it was a she still felt like she had to do all this stuff and um but really you know kind of uh, um under underscoring the fact that the end is in sight and it truly is a, fin- a sprint to the finish line now yeah so. and can i say because i saw those both the calendars taped on your fridge i love that eleanor also put the prom on her calendar because <laughs> i guess to her it's probably a big deal to see eliza get all dressed up and go out, and she's excited for the prom, too. So I got a big kick out it's of it. It's on my calendar. It's on the family calendar, yeah. for sure. I'll post pictures of the calendars um, on my website if you're curious to see what it looks like. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember, try this at home. Design your summer. And let us know what is your design. I cannot wait to hear. And remember to send in your great advice for our very special episode. Thank you to our producer, Henry Malofsky, and also thank you to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, it really does help us if you tell a friend or if you subscribe to us or rate and review us in iTunes. It really makes a difference in helping other listeners find the show. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself, but even better. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.